Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy, my co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. And this week we're doing what might be our most tenuous episode to date, Columbo. Oh. <laughs> One of uh, the notes off of our investigative board just uh, slipped off. We'll never find out who did the crime. No, we'll find that in the opening scene, yeah, won't we? we'll find out immediately. I still reckon Morrissey. Yeah, that did occur to me, that the Morrissey episode, which you can find at holdfastnetwork.com or southlondonhardcore.com um, and probably on Apple Podcasts as well. And you've got the last 100 episode, I reckon it's in there. But, you know, the Smiths had their last gig there, you know, he did a video there, he's got an album, maybe his most famous album, Vauxhall and I. And I guess if you're tracing Morrissey back as far away as you can, it's Manchester, which is still in the UK. Whereas with Lieutenant Colombo, or Lieutenant Colombo, Italy, you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, you know, it's the LAPD. It's not even NYPD. It's like the other coast, isn't it? It's as far away from South London as you could get in the states. So we've got three episodes of Colombo we're talking about. If we could only manage two, we wouldn't have done it, Steve, would we? Yeah, I, that was your reasoning, but I, yeah, did, I go a, along. And I, I appreciate completely what you're saying. Yeah, you need a triple bill. Yeah. So we've got two episodes that feature South London actors and. One that is filmed in South London. Can you believe it? So we'll get to those in due course. The web series I made, Steve Gloss, is going to be showing at Screen 25 in Norwood. That's a, a Harris South Norwood Academy. And I don't know the details yet, so I'm going to cut them in now. Friday 20th of September at 7.45pm. Gloss will be shown before the Emma Thompson comedy Late Night. Tickets are available from screen25.com. And you can use the code SIS19 to get £2 off, making it six fifty a ticket or five quid a ticket for concessions. £3 a ticket for under 25s. Oh, I hope to see you all there. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Columbo is a byword for detective almost, isn't it? It's like a synonym almost. Yeah, if you're aware of the series, it immediately... I feel like even if you're not aware of yeah, the it's series, true. it's yeah. like, I feel like I knew the name, certainly before... Like, I got into Columbo in 2018, Steve. So, it was long off long off the telly. What about you? What's your relationship with it? I watched it growing up. My mum loved uh, any sort of crime dramas, so all the Ruth Rendell stuff, Linda LaPlante stuff. Um, but also... Um, Columbo, I think also because it was definitely a bit special. Like there were, you know, TV shows, but they're like an hour and a half long. They're essentially films, everyone, aren't they? Like, mm. And there's the sort of the calibre of guest stars and actors, which we'll get to uh, shortly. It did certainly elevate it amongst other things. And also, as you say, just in terms of like the Columbo brand, like there's certain aspects of the character that, you know, again, we'll talk about and are sort of like seeped into the popular consciousness. But I think he's also... Like Sherlock Holmes, you'd recognise Columbo in silhouette, wouldn't you? He's one of those characters where he's so vivid as a, as an image, you you would pick him out as you know. You don't need to see Peter Falk's face to sort of go. That is definitely Columbo. No, but it probably would help. <laughs> so as I say, I'd never seen it before. Um, I sort of had seen David Brent do an impression of him. And that was really, you know, I didn't know that my wife loves you. Did, you know, that will come right. up in, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. in the show, you know, One More Thing. That's a famous one, I think, the One More Thing. Mm. Yeah, uh, as I say, when I'm imagining that silhouette, it's very much him in a doorway turning 
to make one final point or just to remind dishevelled yes exactly dishevelled and then things like the cigar uh, and uh, I mean again we'll go into more details we'll talk about the episodes but Falk's performance as well yeah that is the thing that we'll come back to but you know so when when I was working on Waterstones the first day working there sorry that bookshop whose name we won't mention Um, (laughs) you could beat that um, Peter Falk died while I was at Waterstones Oxford Street and I wasn't fast in any way I don't think I'd seen Angels of Desire actually is that what it's called? The um, Wings of Desire. Wings of Desire, yeah. sorry. Uh, the um, Wim Wenders film. Yeah. But I remember this guy at work who, Graham, his favourite filmmaker was Tarkovsky, right? This was like a highbrow guy. The stuff he was reading was highbrow. And he was like, saying how good Columbo was? Right. So it sort of stuck in my mind then from, when did he die? I guess it was probably 07, 06, maybe 08. Um... And I only got back. I only actually watched it for the first time last year, and I've watched a load of them. And Steve, I was not disappointed. But let's plough on. What are you doing? <coughs> uh, recording a podcast about Columbo in South London. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Just wait to check. Because he, he'd heard it was Columbo in West London. He was like, "Guys, scrap it." There's not enough material. Also, I would imagine, like you are. Um, Film buff seems reductive to describe you as cinephile. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and obviously, Falk and his relationship with Cassavetes, I'd imagine you'd have seen a fair few. Pro- at that point, you hadn't seen enough, or uh, it wasn't someone that you'd sort of spotted in those films that had leapt out. Of yeah, you? no, I'd seen A Woman Under the Influence, Influence. which is great, isn't it? Um, but that's, that might be the only one that. It doesn't make a big enough... I didn't know it was Columbo. Right, probably. yeah, yeah. There's nothing future related to beyond that guy who's in no, these films. Yeah. But we'll. Probably again putting pins in all this stuff, Steve, aren't we? Like a, someone tracking a serial killer. Um, it's not Columbo though, because he knows from the start. Is it worth talking about the format? I think so. You know, it's idea, interesting. It's isn't not it? a who done it; it's a how did it. And even then, it's it's not who done it, and it's not how they did it, and it's not even. It's more the, the sort of central conceit of it is Columbo immediately knows, doesn't he? Yeah, he has this supernatural sense, regardless of the situation. That something has gone awry, and he has to track it down. And then you, you sort of, and it's not even so much that each scene that he interacts with someone, he, he gathers, he is gathering more information, but it's not obvious to us. And it's very much in the last five minutes, he's like, "Well, that thing you did with the thing yeah, yeah, is yeah. what undid you." And you're like, "Oh, it probably did something with them that the thing they did with the thing." So it's, but it's still compelling. Like it, yeah. sh- it feels like it shouldn't work as a conceit because you haven't got so many the times mystery. Over. Yes, yeah, mm. absolutely, yeah. So let's dive into one of these episodes, Steve. Which one should we start with? Should we start with Short Fuse from 1972? Lieutenant, I think we uh, owe you a drink. Well, and Dory, when he was out of town last week, you didn't even notice he was gone. Now, what made you call the police tonight of all nights? Uh, do you want a drink? Roger, I called the commissioner of police, and he said he'd send over his very best man. Was that a fact? Well, my wife, she says I'm second best, but... Uh... She claims there are 80 fellas tied for first. So the main character is Roddy McDowell, who plays Roger Stanford, who is the kind of heir to a chemical company, but not really his aunt is. But he's definitely, you know, uh, making money off it. And his aunt has married this guy who has turned her against Roger. So he's being sort of pushed out of the family company and the uncle's planning to sell it. So Roger Stanford, as well as being... Uh, a jester, 
of some kind and photographer is also some silly strength yeah he's also like a chemical genius so he um basically develops a plants a bomb in his uncle's car to uh, blow it off the road as he goes out on a on a business trip and the car is found and colombo immediately goes something is up here let me go and investigate and then meets roger stanford and it all unravels roddy mcdowell is from herne hill and you know we think we'll probably delve into Roddy McDowell at a later date it's so, rich isn't it it's a rich yeah, scene it's not, but we'll leave it there for now we'll just, just know he's from the Herne Hill area like a lot of actors apparently but well, here's well, the thing like, like his co-star Ida Lupino yeah this is the thing you've got two characters who play nephew and aunt in a TV series in America in 1972 and they're both from Herne Hill like it's not it'd be one thing if you know there was like a random traffic warden who happened to be a character actor but like two sort of main characters with a relationship within the show are both from uh, essentially I don't know Ten Roads in South London because yeah, right. Herne Hill's not a big area is yeah. it as well Jason Statham from there apparently too right right. I thought this was a weak one man and I thought it was a weak one because I thought Roddy McDowell was not good the thing and about the character is bad man he's like yeah. a giggling maniac yeah. at times and that's not the, all the best Columbo is the, the Columbo because of the format because of the fact you know you can rely on Falk, what it rises and falls with is the quality of, of the villain, yeah. essentially. The quality of the villain or the quality of the conceit of the murder or, you know, there has to be something that elevates it. And, and also, to dig a bit deeper on that, it's those scenes where Columbo is wearing down yeah. the murderer. Yeah. And, you know, when it's some guy's running around with silly strings or taking photos for no apparent reason. Yeah. Yeah, the first time we see... Roger Stanford, he goes into the office of the chemical company and has a can of silly string and he's just giggling as he sprays it on these secretaries. And you just sort of go, and you know, uh, we haven't seen him commit the murder yet. But I'm like, can someone put him in prison now <laughs> just for being yeah. really annoying? You hope and... he's going to be the victim. <laughs> but then, and it's an odd thing where, like I say, he has this sort of jestery persona. And then about halfway through the show, he turns up in like this powder blue jumpsuit that really sort of, it feels like he's from a different television series. And then it's a thing as well, as I say, the, the murderer is not good, but then he literally rigs up a box of cigars to blow up in his uncle's car. And like there are bits where people are talking about an exploding cigar taken out of this guy. And I'm like, it feels like it's some sort of in joke about comedy or I don't know but it's like yeah it's not good I mean one of the sort of things I read around the episode is that Roddy McDowell is one of only two actors to have been arrested by both Columbo and Batman <laughs> and this other one uh, I can't remember and Baxter I think it is okay. um, but his performance in this feels like and in the Batman TV series he plays a character called Bookworm who isn't as exuberant but the exuberance of this character and as I say the, it, the, the tone of it feels more in keeping with the camp feel of the, the 60s Batman TV show that he also um, appeared in it just feels yeah tonally very off and like then you get you know as you say one of the, the great things about Columbo are the scenes with Columbo and the murderer and in this he's you know one of the interesting things is sort of he he tries to help Columbo ostensibly that's his he's trying to sort of like point him in the wrong direction but he's constantly I'll do whatever I can to help uh, Lieutenant and maybe you should think about this, maybe you should think about that. But because of the different 
clashing tones of the characters. It never like the scenes between them aren't really a treat, are they? They're more sort of just odd. On the positive side, I enjoyed all the stuff about Columbo uh, being sort of dizzy with heights and stuff. Yeah. You know, One of the bit, things that, that scene where he's sort of getting off of the cable car, yeah, um, and it's just like an absolute day. But the so thing funny. is, what's great is, and this is that we'll talk about in all these episodes, I think, is is Falk selling the performance through physical comedy, which is something that I don't think people think about enough with Columbo. But there's definitely yeah. a comedic side to it, and also one of the sort of running things is Columbo uh, presents himself essentially as like the holy fool, doesn't he? He's like this naive character who's wandering through the world. He's a, you know, LAPD homicide detective, but apparently knows nothing of the world and how it works. Um, and it it really does work in, in most situations. Again, not so much this one, but there's a nice bit in this where, you know, as I say, Stanford is, the Roddy McDowell character is presented as this sort of quasi-genius who's just never really found the right project to focus on until he found murder. Hmm. Uh, and even then it's exploding cigar, so it's not great. But there's a wonderful scene where they're going through the chemical plant and... Uh, McDowell's and his elements are sort of like showing in this showing that and there's a bit where Columbo goes to light his cigar and he's like don't do that because it'll blow up and Columbo's like alright and you kind of you kind of go Columbo's not an idiot he's yeah. like, but it gives him an opening and sort of go, oh, I've never been good at, at chemistry and there's this great bit where he's like um, yeah when, when I was at uh, high school uh, I took I took uh, wood wood shop rather than chemistry because like you build a, a birdhouse apparently red you get an A <laughs> and, it, it, and it immediately you can see McDowell and Stanford sort of like puffing his chest out yeah, 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 and yeah. Columbo sort of shrinking within himself. And those are, that again, that's a running thing where Columbo draws the murderer into a feeling of superiority that mm. lets them sort of slip up. So, you know, this is not a great episode, but Peter Falk is still unfailingly great in it. So it's written by Jackson Gillis, who wrote another one that we're going to talk about in a minute. And it was directed by Edward B. Abrams, who was an Oscar nominated editor. And I thought the editing was pretty shocking, man. The editing's terrible. Yeah. Like, there's that bit where the bomb's about to go off and it keeps cutting from a clock to the car. Yeah. I, I didn't know it, it about kind of the background strays, of this guy, but yeah. I, I did notice. And I'm not I'm not a cinephile in the same way. Oh, I don't well. watch films in that sort of way. Um, so for me to sort of go, the editing is not good here, it really has to be quite bad, doesn't it? Yeah, and to, to think this guy was a four-time Emmy-nominated... Ed, uh, editor and Oscar nominated uh, for a film I hadn't heard of though actually Blue Thunder early 70s film mm-hmm. um, but it, it's just it strays from the from the usual style yeah you know Spielberg directed the pilot um, well I mean there's a handful of pilots aren't there but what we kind of I think think of as the pilot is it called um, Murder by the Book yes um, and Spielberg shoots it's kind of uh, it's fairly dynamic it's not just the camera's not like passive exactly but the camera moves about a bit and stuff but you don't get this kind of the way it's kind of cuts to like what uh, McDowell's thinking and stuff yeah, yeah, he's yeah. imagining this kind of he's thinking about the clock so you see that you're getting flashbacks and stuff I mean I've only seen about 10 episodes but I've not seen anything in that style and it was a it's too detriment isn't it? yeah, yeah yeah without sort of going into the the sort of depth you have in terms of who's who's works in it just looking at the, the sort of Wikipedia entries for the, the titles uh, you see names like Stephen Botchko turns up very early on, uh, mm. just writing episodes of Columbo. You wrote that one, the uh, Murder by a Book. Right, mm. um, and goes on to, and there's other names that come up who have gone on to do incredible things. So it's a real sort of, I think it was sort of a good breeding ground for, for writers and directors as well. Yeah, it must have been a joy to work with Peter Falk, I reckon. Oh, yeah. 
You're beginning to look exactly like a Londoner. Oh, you mean this? No, 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 ma'am. No, I just bought this. You see, ever since I've been in London, I've been thinking and thinking, what would be the best souvenir to bring back to Los Angeles? I thought you'd be on your way back home by now. Right, but I sort of missed the plane. Anyway, it suddenly struck me an umbrella. I don't think Mr. Tanner killed anybody like the newspapers are saying. I think it was you. The Columbo episode that legitimizes this trilogy we put together is Dagger of the Mind, I think, which has Columbo coming to London. And the opening shot is an aerial shot of London and you get South London in it. I thought that, I was watching it thinking this is not enough. Yeah. But luckily later on something came up. But Steve, tell us what the episode's about. So we, we follow or we open on two Shakespearean actors who are in rehearsals for a new uh, performance of Macbeth at a theatre in London, the Royal Court. Um, Sloan Square, isn't it? Sloan Square, yeah. So West South London. South West London. Yeah, yeah. If you're not in London, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. count. Um, and uh, they basically get into an argument backstage with the producer and Honor Blackman, who plays the Lady Macbeth actress character, throws uh, a compact at him. I think it is some sort of like desk um, makeup thing, and it cracks him on the head, and uh, he dies. Mm. Um, and they hide the body in a trunk, move the body out to uh, his house and sort of set up uh, a sort of accident at the scene, which doesn't feel particularly convincing. But the great thing is here, um, so Columbo has come to London to learn new uh, detective methods from Scotland Yard. So it's really sort of broad, isn't it, yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of an excuse to get him over. But there is, a, and it, there's a couple of nice bits where he sort of inserts himself into the investigation. Uh, and there is a sort of talk at first that like all the Scotland Yard detectives are like, oh, this all seems pretty fine. And he's like, I don't know, because obviously Columbo always knows if someone's been murdered, no matter what it looks like. <laughs> um, and he basically, uh, yeah, works it out across the episode and confronts them at the end, as he does. But again, it didn't feel particularly... It didn't have a great flow to it for me, this one. No, it's... We've got two weak ones there. Luckily, the third one's good, right? So <laughs> stick around, listeners. Um... <laughs> Partly because this guy, Richard Basehart, who is one of the two... Mer- I think it's an accident as well. I think that's a kind of flimsy premise. Yeah. They should be doing this on purpose, shouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, but this guy, he's so hammy. I, I thought it was... <laughs> I mean, there's a joke in there about a, a ham and a tart, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he is just... I think to sort problem. of to, to sort of establish this, we have to go right to the end. It's not really spoilers, is it? Because you can't really do spoilers with Columbo. I think it is genuinely the one show that is spoiler-proof. Yeah. Um, but at the end, when their whole plan unravels in front of Columbo and Detective Scotland Yard, uh, Honor Blackman sort of like starts weeping and breaks down. And this guy just goes into a soliloquy from Macbeth and then like, gives it the full tin, uh, full, full bells and whistles performance, like aiming to the back of the room in a very small room. Um, and that sort of, again, sort of tells a lot about the episode. There's a couple of, there's an interesting kind of subplot where the murder victim's butler realises what they've been up to and um, but it sort of shows again the sort of inherent problems of Roger rather than blackmailing them just for money he tries to blackmail them for a job like why would you want to work for people like they kill him as well because of course, of course they do the one thing you know about them mate is that they kill people that get in their way so um, but he's quite an interesting character for a bit but um, and there's a, um, I mean one of my favourite character in it was the doorman at the theatre 
who accidentally picks up the umbrella belonging to the murder victim that becomes relevant. And there's a great bit where they kind of, the murderers realise that he's got the umbrella and they have to get it back to destroy it. And uh, he he takes the guy, he goes to the, the Richard Basehart's character, goes to the pub and buys the guy enough mild bitters to get him yeah. sloshed enough that he can take the umbrella. But they're playing darts and... Um, just Richard Basehart, I mean, for an actor, imagine not being able to pretend you've thrown a dart before. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort yeah. of looks so, it's like he's doing a javelin or something. It's really sort of, but it's this weird thing where they sort of cut from him throwing the dart to it landing somewhere on the board. And you look at his stance going, you're lucky if that's going in the right direction as the board, let alone not towards it. To quote a recent, to quote a recent Southern Hawkeye guest, Nick Obregon, who's a big Columbo fan. There are no bad episodes, right? So even though this is I mean, it's 95 minutes, man, yeah. it is a slog. But there's some great stuff. Like, Columbo take, just walking around Buckingham Palace taking photos. <laughs> yeah. just, that's enough, isn't it? That's <laughs> enough to enjoy. Um, I mean, there's not enough Columbo in it. Sorry, sorry. There isn't enough Columbo in it, mm. would be the thing. Even if it is just him uh, taking photos. But we get another, another wonderful bit of folk comedy mimery where the scene where they go to the gentleman's club for lunch and they meet the pathologist there who's got the autopsy photos and they bring the the lunch trolley over and um i think colombo has like a steak and kidney pie or something or a pork pie on his plate and he's sitting on one side sorry he's got the scotland detective sitting on one side and the pathologist on the other and the pathologist keeps trying to hand him autopsy pictures while he's having his lunch and he keeps just sort of he keeps taking them deliberately not looking at them passing them on and there's one bit where he gets a bit of paper as the guy brings a photograph over and say it's all done in mime essentially he doesn't say it anyway I don't want to see his photographs but as the he puts a bit of paper on top of it but then the scotland detective takes the paper off and he's doing this sort of almost uh, pantomime sort of bit of, um, you know, looking at the food, looking at the pictures. He, he, you almost feel like he's going to come out of a sort of Arthur Daly, oh my good gold, sort of like <laughs> reading at these photographs. And it is that thing, again, similar to the thing with Heights uh, in the previous episode, where it sort of humanises Columbo. He's not invulnerable, but like, and there's also a thing as well, I think, where he doesn't need to see the autopsy photographs. He's not going to learn anything from that. He's He worked out 10 minutes ago who's done it and why. He just needs to prove it. It's fine. But yeah, it's a wonderful uh, sequence that, as I say, isn't flagged up or anything, but really is uh, a treat. And again, it's, it's pure folk, isn't it? Mm. When we do see Columbo, it, a lot of it is him wandering about in London. Um, and there was one bit I got quite excited when he was by Tower Bridge, but I did a Google uh, photo, Google Street View, and immediately saw that he was on the other side of the river. But where he ends up is in the classic, um, classic kind of filming spot, really, of on the Albert Embankment. He's right outside Lambeth Palace, but that sort of little stretch opposite the Houses of Parliament. It's got to be one of the most filmed sort of London places going. I mean, as I said on the previous episode, like the first short film I ever made, we had a shot standing there. You know, we've we shot something on Blackbridge Road, and we're like, let's go around the corner and get that classic. Yeah. It's the thing, like, there won't have been a spy film shot in London that doesn't have someone sitting on those benches just so the camera can pan around and go, so how's the parliament? Have they Big Ben? Yeah. Which is what uh, Columbo does, to his credit. He's like, that's uh, Big Ben over there. It's like 
South London being the what's the Carl Pilgrimman quote about being in the cave looking at the palace? Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Palace of Westminster. <laughs> there is um a problem with the uh, Scotland Yard detectives who are shining around London though. In the, one of them, at one point, they're, they're sort of shining around London and talking about the history of Scotland Yard. And uh, they say, probably our most famous detective was Sherlock Holmes. And you're like, I mean, yeah, in the world ever, in terms of everything. But he was a fictional character, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I hope he knows that this Scotland Yard uh, detective. Um, there is one more stuff on the link, Steve. Oh, is there? Yeah. So I was watching oh, it. unless you've got loads. Well, no, I was watching it and I was basically holding out for the Albert Embankment shot because before that I was like, I got about half a through the episode and I was like, Jack's seen that helicopter shot at the start <laughs> and this is the most tenuous <laughs> thing we've gone for. Uh, no, there's a guy, the, he plays a police constable, is an actor called John Orchard and uh, he's from Lambeth. Ah, there we go. Well, that's not enough, is it? But... It wouldn't be enough without the other bits. No. And also those... Um, all the stuff shot in the mansion and stuff is shot in LA. Yeah, in California, yeah. Yeah, one of the British actors was a tax exile, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this episode is written by Jackson Gillis again. Not the best, is he? No, no, he's probably written loads of great <laughs> stuff. Uh, directed by Richard Quine. And, you know, they're in London, Steve, so you'd think they'd just use a local crew, yeah. They got the, the director of photography from 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> This guy, Jeffrey Unsworth, he's won two Oscars. Not for that, but two other films. Um, so they just got him in. Just getting to shoot the stuff. Incredible. So we've had an episode from season one, an episode from season two, and now from season three, episode seven, broadcast on the 4th of March, 1974, Swan Song. Mr. Brown, I'm terribly sorry about this. this... Who are you? I'm Lieutenant Colombo. I'm from the LAPD Homicide. Homicide? What's he been telling you about me? Well, if we could just talk privately, there's nothing to get excited about. Just want to ask some routine questions. Ain't no need for everything to stop. I'll be right back. Let me see that guitar. If he's busted that guitar, I'm going to bust his neck. Yeah, Swan Song opens with a man that you can't help but recognise as Johnny Cash. As a man. <laughs> Uh, performing Tommy, a concert, Tommy Brown, uh, and he's uh, essentially a gospel singer whose wife want, is spending all of his money that he's making from being an incredibly popular folk and gospel singer into building a massive church, and he doesn't like this. He really wants to spend it on a massive house for him to put loads of dolly birds in. So he is flying them from Bakersfield back to their home in Los Angeles, I think he is, um, and drugs his wife and her daughter, his stepdaughter, who it's insinuated that he's had a relations with as well. He's a very ungodly man, mm. uh, this gospel singer. And parachutes out of the plane, leaves them to crash and die. And similar to the previous one, you know, at the start of the thing, it's essentially an air crash investigation that Columbo inserts himself into. Because he knows, he knows if someone's died in Los Angeles County... They only give him those cases. There's probably been a murder, and he's going to work out pretty quick... Uh, who it is. The South London connection here is... Ida Lupino. Again. Yeah, in yeah. two episodes. One of these episodes, I think it's the... Uh, is it the Roddy McDowell one? Every, all the main characters in it are in other episodes, and it's only right. in season two. What, yeah, what's yeah. that all about, then? Yeah, I, mean, I, I know LA was a bit smaller then, but... <laughs> it's odd, isn't it? But no, I mean, Ida Lupino, she's not unrecognisable, but 
you know, you kind of you could miss it, couldn't you? Yeah. As we said before, she's from Herne Hill, and she plays uh, the victim. Yeah, uh, Johnny Cash's character is called Tommy Brown, and her name is Edna Brown. But to give her a full name, which is what she's credited as on IMDb, Edna Basket Brown, which is oh, and baskets. Filmed in Bakersfield. Yeah, there you go. is that what you're thinking? Yeah, well, I was sort of like thinking the the last thing, but um, it's I, I was like that's a weird name. But then her nephew, who is the one who accuses uh, Tommy Brown, Johnny Cash of the murder, is called Luke Basket. Just seems an odd. I mean, yeah. for us with the show Baskets, you sort of accept it as a comedy surname, but it just seems like an odd name to go for, particularly to insert in a murder victim. Yeah. And if I ever run into Louis C.K., I'll ask him. <laughs> so Johnny Cash is playing I mean it's not quite a version of himself but I mean it's sort of on the he's doing songs that he would have done himself right yeah he's got he's been in prison in his background yeah so it's sort of there's some parallels he kills uh, the women by putting amphetamines in the coffee that he gives them in the thermos before crashing a plane uh, and Johnny Cash literally was arrested for smuggling amphetamines in his guitar case you know, it's almost uncomfortable yeah. how many parallels there are yeah, and between then, this and that. Yeah, and that would sort of... Would that not put you off playing a guy who's got like a penchant for underage girls? Yeah, it does seem odd to sort of go... Um... <laughs> this is basically me, but not this part. <laughs> yeah. So Johnny Cash is the murderer. And that means, obviously, this being Columbo, there's lots of scenes. And I think more scenes than the other two episodes of... Columbo and uh, Tommy Brown, so Falk and Cash, in the same room, in the same shot, in the same scene, which is gold, isn't it? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's what we were saying earlier, isn't it, about the scenes between Columbo, the scenes of Columbo wearing the other guy yeah, down. Yeah. Um, when it's a great episode, yeah. that's the. And this is this is one of those episodes where you say to people, watch your favourite Columbo episode, and people will say the Johnny Cash one. Right. That will come into the conversation. And yeah, they're great. I mean, there's one bit where they're just having a chat and Johnny Cash just like, it's like David Brent, he just brings out the guitar and yeah, just like yeah, strumming yeah. it before he even knows it. There's also um, a bit at the end when Columbo eventually catches him and confronts him. But in the car, um, Johnny Cash, he basically confronts him um, on the side of a mountain, just in the wilderness. And Johnny Johnny Cash's character has brought his car up there and Columbo's been left there to sort of meet him and drive down with him. And they get down in the car and they sit down and uh, Johnny Cash is like, aren't you scared being in the car of a killer? And he goes, and, and he speaks to what you were just saying about him grinding the guy down. He says, um, uh, no, I don't think you're a dangerous man generally. In fact, I think if I hadn't caught you, you probably would have confessed to this because I can see already that it's you know, wearing you down, keeping it secret. And he was like, yeah, I couldn't live with what I've done which is like you know much preferable to Roddy McDowell cackling his way yeah. through an episode and then having a breakdown on the cable well, there's line. a great line in that bit where he says um, his songs on the radio and he goes yeah. man who sings like yeah. that can't be all bad <laughs> so I'll tell you my top three Columbo moments from the episode Steve go on so number three they're at a party that Johnny Cash is throwing like immediately after his wife <laughs> they are <laughs> they after it yeah. it's like a luau or something yeah. isn't it? it's <laughs> Oh, when, it, when the scene opened, I was like, is this the wake? Why is everyone in bikinis? <laughs> and so, Columbo, he's loving this chili, I guess, from Carly. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy tells him it's made from squirrel because they're sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. Hillbilly's the word. Yeah, but yeah. 
So the face he pulls is pretty good. Well, no, it actually, he says, uh, this chilli's wonderful. It like, tastes like no other chilli I've ever uh, had. And the guy goes, oh, oh yeah, it's made uh, with squirrel. And Columbo sits and goes, well, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> so my second favourite is when it turns out Johnny Cash, uh, Tommy Brown and Columbo were both in the Korean War. Yeah. And, and uh, Columbo goes, oh, were you in that one? Yeah. Like, such a great line. Yeah, yeah. And number one, Steve, is there filming a news report about the crash. And Columbo's just walking around <laughs> behind the camera. He, he, like, he, he, <laughs> he picks something up, up and he turns around almost into <laughs> shot as if he's going <laughs> to look <laughs> down the barrel and go, does anyone know what this <laughs> is? <laughs> um, I would also add um, to that list, uh, and also to the list from the other episodes of, you know, Peter Falk physical performances, grounding Columbo as a character and humanising him and showing him uh, being vulnerable. Um, and it's similar to the one uh, from Short Fuse where it's about heights, but he clearly doesn't like flying. Uh, mm. And there's a scene in this where he gets out of a plane um, and similar to getting out of the cable car in uh, the first one, he just sort of takes a second just to appreciate that he's on terra firma again and he's sort of dazed as he uh, uh, walks away. Like he's... Um, yeah. And similar to the bit of the um, with the news report, he one of the things he establishes is that there's something going on with a parachute, and like so, he's doing a quick sort of learning curve about how parachutes work, how they're made, what you use, and he goes to like uh, an embroider shop essentially. Haberdashery. Yeah, um, haberdashery. Yeah, but and you you sort of as the scene opens, you're like, oh right, he would have rung ahead, but he just picks up this bolt of cloth. And so I, I think he might even sniff it. But like, the woman goes, can I help? And he's like, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> and it's, such, it's such a great way, because yeah. we all know who he is. Mm. But it's such a great way to sort of go, I mean, don't tell him you come in, whatever you do. You just sort of walk in, pick up a bolt of cloth, and then go, oh, sorry, yeah, Lieutenant Columbo, LAPD. But it's great as well. The woman um, in, in, uh, in that workshop... Uh, immediately sort of lights up she's like homicide eh she was great she can't do it yeah and you do get these characters who there's a similar thing where he goes to uh, the funeral and the funeral director's at the door Um, and again it's like this thing that's nothing to do with the plot nothing to do with anything to do with the story but he meets this really effusive funeral director whose eyes light up when he hears ho- LAPD homicide, because the guy's like, "You must be around dead people all the time." And he like gives him a card, oh, and he yeah. sort of he sort of says, "You know, you know, it might be useful to see your wife one day." <laughs> and he's like, he's essentially sort of saying, "You know, you you you're working a dangerous job. You're probably, you, I mean, you are definitely going to die someday." This way, and it is, it's it, it's a really great little performance from this guy, similar to the woman in the workshop. That has nothing to do with the the story per se, but really sort of lifts the episode as a whole and carries it through and, and elevates it above what we've seen in previous episodes. Though they add some nice little character moments, but nothing as good as this one. Yeah, now this is the pick of the three, isn't it? As we said with Roddy McDowell, we'll save Ida Lupino for another time. She's, I didn't realise she directed eight films. She was like sort of the only woman to do, she's the only woman to do The Twilight Zone. And the only woman to... Yeah, she's a sort of, I think you, you sort of said, when you sort of dig into her, there's more than just her being an element of a show where she's been a character and a thing mm. we can definitely do an episode on her life and work another thing that sort of separates swan song from every other episode of columbo unique in this sense it's the only double homicide to open a show oh is it yeah because there's episodes where t- in 
Well, murder in, by the book, two people get killed. And, uh, oh, and Dagger of the Mines, yeah. yeah. But oh, the initial right? murder yeah. is the only double homicides that he investigates, which is quite interesting. You know, when when you see them doing going for all the elaborate stuff, that's really sort of yeah. unlike you know the accidental killing of Dagger of the Mind. Yeah, like throw a box across the room, and 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 as I say, even with uh, short fuse, it's a very complicated murder, but it's still an exploding cigar, so you can't really take it seriously. Whereas with this. Uh, Tommy Brown prepares the thermos, mm. hides the parachute. There's a lot sort of going on. And he sort of he uh, breaks... plans that arra- the rearrangement of the song too early, didn't he? <laughs> but there's also a thing where in the in the the fall he breaks his leg, which you'd imagine would sort of help to sell the idea that he's thrown clear. And, but there's a great bit where again, you know, uh, because Colombo doesn't know the, the physics and dynamics of parachute jumps he talks to people so he, he talks to this parachutist and he says to the guy well if he's going to stash a parachute he wouldn't be able to stash a 60 foot square one he might be able to stash a 40 foot square one and the guy goes oh yeah i mean you could do a landing for, with a 40 foot square one you just come down quicker and he's like how much quicker he's like oh another you know 20 meters a second quicker or whatever um and someone's like can you do a safe landing and he goes oh yeah he'd probably break something now an arm a leg and it's this great thing yeah. where you know we've seen it all unfold we are ah this is going to help uh, and it, it, well that's, like, that's a nice segue steve into the fact it was written by david ray raphael who wrote three days of the condor ah oh, wow which i watched quite recently without realizing it's going to be relevant to this and that's you've got 10 minutes you can say but <laughs> well, well three days of the condor again is similar to this you know for me what elevated this episode over the other two was, you know, there's more Columbo, there's better Columbo, more other supporting characters that sort of elevate as a whole, but also the mechanics of him working out the murder. Like with Dagger of the Mind, he kind of plants evidence to <laughs> secure yeah, a confession. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with, um, and, and with uh, Short Fuse, he essentially bluffs, he takes uh, a, an identical cigar box to the one that's been planted and takes it up in his cable car and shakes it around and, and sort of tricks a confession out of them. Whereas with this, he sort of plants to see the idea in, in Johnny Cash's mind, waits for him to reveal himself and then... So it, it just seems a bit smoother and a bit more uh, tightly plotted. And Three Days of the Condor, again, is something where um, it's very very meticulous. Everything sort of makes sense. Every mm. scene carries you to a different point that sort of takes the story to a different place but always keeps at the heart of things um yes yeah, a tremendous um essentially a, a spy film from the, you know very much part of the sort of parallax view uh thing of tradition of uh paranoid spy dramas mm. of the 70s with robert redford as essentially a sort of researcher working for uh I mean, when the, i said do 10 minutes i was joking <laughs> but a similar thing to uh, a lot of colombo where we kind of know what's going on but he doesn't and he sort of unravels or reveals itself in front of him. Uh, it was directed by Nicholas Colasanto, yeah. who played coach on Cheers. Oh, really? Mm. Ah. And he kind of gets a shout-out in the episode as well, doesn't he? Because, Does well, um, uh, when they talk about the rearrangement of the song, they name, you, you never meet the arranger, but he's called... Nick Locasantos. Oh, it's, it's basically okay. a, yeah, a, yeah. You know, a jumbling of the sure. director's name. It's like an in-joke. So, so Columbo's still on Channel 5, a couple of episodes. Uh, not Channel 5, Channel 5 US or something. It's called like a, somewhere deep in the... 5 USA, I think it is. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah. yeah. it's on like, there's a couple of episodes on every Sunday. 
But I was thinking that it's a sort of a shame it's not on something like Netflix, really. I feel like people mm. would get... It's a sort of thing... It's like comfort viewing in a lot of ways, isn't it? I people think, would whack it on of an evening and... I think if they if they put it on Netflix and marketed it right, it could have a whole new life. Yeah. And absolutely trend No on one's Twitter. watching TV, are they? No, exactly, yeah. You just need a way for people to be able to watch it in common uh, and talk about it. And I think it would sort of get people chatting. So, I mean, you can buy it... You can buy the episodes individually. The Blu-ray transfer is great, actually. I watched um, Short Fuse with the new Blu-ray transfer. You know, if you go to uh, southernhardcore.com, click the Amazon link if you're going to buy anything off Amazon. You know, I've got, I'm, conf- right, you waited, I'm conflicted about it, Steve, to be yeah, honest, because yeah. they are... You know, Jeff Bezos shouldn't be so rich, should he? But I think they're just... It's if like, you're already buying it from there, you know. Well, they just announced their profits, and it's like... They're well, in profit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like some ridiculous amount of money playing zero tax, so, you know. Uh, by all means, don't buy things off Amazon. But if you are going to, anyway, use our link. But don't feel you need to. It's fine. One final thing about profit. <laughs> <laughs> there is still one more thing. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's good, man. I was trying to go over to the door and do it, but, um, It's nice that we haven't had an attempt at a reboot. Like a modern, I'm surprised that we haven't because yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I mean, but like Natasha Leon, people are saying now. Oh, right, Ball. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you know, by all means, honor the performance, but there's something quite pure about it now, and you know, unless you're going to nail it, I mean, there's definitely people that could do good Columbo episodes out there in terms of writers, directors, performers, and whatnot, but. I'm really I'm more surprised and relieved that it hasn't been sort of because it's such a simple conceit. There's no mm. sort of you know it's not heavy on effects or you know production. Yeah. You know, it's nothing expensive. It's a, a crime drama which are generally. But I suppose the other thing as well is um, if there's one thing that the US TV schedules are not sure of, it's uh, police procedurals and crime dramas, isn't it? Like, it's about fifteen NCISs. NCIS any city in America. NCIS Colombo. <laughs> so. Steve, this is our only opportunity to talk about Columbo, so do you want to maybe say what your favourite non-South London episode is? Oh, God, I haven't... I'll let, I'll let you think, because I'll tell you mine. Go on, go on. Um, Etude in Black, with uh, at the aforementioned John Cassavetes, plays a concert pianist, and uh, Columbo rumbles him, obviously, and he just really gets under his skin. Oh, it's great, man. Cassavetes is so good in it, man. Right, right. Like, he's re- I really like him as an actor anyway. Um, but you know him and Falk were mates when they did a yeah, film. Yeah, big time. Like you yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that'd be my pick. If you're going to go and watch one, I'd watch that. Well, and Swan Song. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to watch that one because like for the, for the purposes of this, I watch these three. I suppose you haven't seen them since then. No, yeah. Races. And like, it was a thing where, I guess partly because it was so solidly good. So, I mean, nothing sort of leaps out as being particularly yeah, good. Yeah. But like, you just always watch it knowing Columbo's going to be good. So before we go, Steve, um, do you want to tell anyone about any podcasts you're doing or anything? We're part of the Whole Fast Network, wholefastnetwork.com. And I guess my regular gig is Signals from the Hill, which is um, done in partnership with Avery Hill Publishing, where I work as a sales manager. Uh, that's mostly uh, interviews with creators from uh, Avery Hill publishing talking about their life and work but then a couple of episodes or one about to record where we're talking to people from other publishing companies just about their sort of origins in comics what they're doing but always things that are sort of complementary to what Avery Hill does so 
similar sort of attitude uh, to things. So, yeah, again, if you go to holdfastnetwork.com, go to podcasts, there's loads of uh, random bits and pieces there. All good, all good. Just seen a squirrel go past. <laughs> Just a bit of chilly. <laughs> I saw the light.